Real Whiskey Real presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, welcome to Judgment Day. In this podcast, I, as always, invite one of my lovely friends to inform them that today is, in fact, the end of times. They've shuffled off this mortal coil, and it's up to me to decide whether or not they ascend to paradise or burn forever in a lake of fire. What no one knew was that God is a total cinephile, and I have been chosen to ask a series of questions about the movies that meant the most to them. Their taste in films will be the ultimate test determining their eternal fate. Wow, I'm going to try that again. Their eternal fate. You guys, this week is awesome. I'm joined by a friend of mine who just happens to be an amazing man. He is a philanthropist and a humanitarian and a chef. And a man about town, uh, a lover, <laughs> just a big sweetheart, uh, Mr. Blaine Bailey, welcome to Judgment Day. And you're going to want to bring that mic just a little, there you go. Yeah. Sweet. Love it. How are you doing, sir? Oh, super intimidated by Judgment Day. Why would uh. you be intimidated? <laughs> it's only your eternal fate. I'm actually really stoked about this. Good, going, man. Me Going too. through all this was super fun, so. Yeah, you and I have... Um, our, our history is not extensive, but we see each other a lot, and we work together very, very briefly at a local restaurant here in town. You are quite the chef, from what I understand. <laughs> not as much anymore. I'm still cooking, yeah. but not, you know, we've always had that discussion on like what titles you as a chef, and I think being in that title of running a kitchen doing all the food orders, creating menus, having team under you. Right. I think that um, really determines you as chef, you know. So that's kind of my respectfulness to it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be one of those, I'm an at-home chef type oh, people. Oh, sure, you know? sure, like, sure. I still cook and stuff, and I'll be chef maybe once or twice a year whenever we're doing some catering or yeah. those types of things. So, well, you've wor- but, you've moved into another world. Right. You're in the non-for-profit world now. <laughs> yeah. Talk so, to me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so that's In the Weeds is our nonprofit, and uh, we started it back in 2019. We got nonprofit status in 2020, a month after the shutdown for COVID. So that was uh, bittersweet, to say the least. Yeah. Um, we were stoked to be there for the restaurants, but also wish we didn't have to be there as much in that capacity. Um, you right. know, it's one of those, like, Catch 22s. Yeah. So, you know, we always laugh, like, how do we know if we're succeeding? Well, if we're succeeding, then we don't need 
to exist. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So, and that's that's what we do is supporting restaurant and hospitality staff in a multitude of different ways. Primarily mental health, but within mental health is your physical, financial, social. So we talk about all those different things. We provide yoga. We do climbing hour. We get people outside, different means, and uh, you know, just kind of breaking down those barriers and challenges folks may have to do the fun stuff that a lot of us like to do in the area or in the world um and then other you know other things are those basic needs a big one for us down here has been housing so uh it's interesting that we're doing this kind of post snowdown right which was just obviously a mental health breakdown (laughs) for the entire hospitality community you know what i mean but i mean when i think mental health i'm thinking of I mean, we know people in this industry and they deal with addiction and they deal with anxiety and they deal with um, depression. I mean, you guys talk to me more about like what it is exactly that you want to help these people overcome. Right. And that's, you know, one of the things like I'm not sober uh, from alcohol. Uh, My I consider myself in recovery from the party drugs. Yes, I was a big partier back in the day. Uh, but you know, I, I did have my struggles with alcohol and wanted to get into that and never really give it up because I love food pairing. I love pairing food with wine or beer. And, uh, so that was always really something important to me, but how can I keep control? And so that was what I started looking into myself and finding out that it wasn't just the addiction to alcohol. It was all these other like childhood traumas and, and the life I had been through that yeah. triggered me to have drinks. So that's something to like talk with folks about like, Hey, maybe it is that you got to quit alcohol for some time or permanently, but there might be other underlying issues at hand and it, and being able to talk about those and open up about those helps you through those, those processes right. and uh, what you can do yourself to maybe better your health right. and whatnot. So I definitely want to talk more about your childhood trauma, but I got, <laughs> I'm so open about it. It's no. kind of scary sometimes. No, like I, okay. I freak people out. Like, Why the fuck would you tell me that? <laughs> I mean, I think for people that work in hospitality, being surrounded by substances and lifestyle, right? You know what I mean? It, it's it's about changing your relationship and your perspective on what that lifestyle really means to you right it that's the healthy thing for me that i'm always trying to like overcome right is just like well it's not that i drink it's that i i fucking fall into these traps right you know what i mean and it's like uh, we live in a community that gives us an excuse to fall into traps every i mean we're going into summer now and yeah. we know what it's like. It's just every weekend there's another event where it's like, oh, I'm going to get fucked up. Right. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to be working that event and I'm going to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. It's a, So it's really cool that you guys try to provide tools to get you out of that mindset and write, oh, yeah, there are other things yeah. I can be doing. Exactly. Than just getting into this lifestyle and that's you know like whenever you talk about the lifestyle that was when we first started it's like it's like this rock star party lifestyle and that's why a lot of us are in the industry is because you can go to work hungover or still drunk and uh or do these drugs and maintain and keep your job still too many of us read kitchen confidential (laughs) (laughs) and and that's what we're laughing like it is like a rock star lifestyle 
come to find out, uh, there's SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health right. Services Administration. Uh, they did a study of industries that use the most. And we actually beat out the entertainment industry. We were third and they were wow. number four so no we actually party kidding. harder than the rock star wait what's number one uh i think it was like it, the other two was like construction and then uh beha- or not behavioral health just health uh so really? like nurses doctors like high stress access. or overworked and underpaid access so, yeah you got so, access to this yeah <laughs> that's the, so all the good <laughs> stuff right yikes uh so i am kind of getting back into the industry myself back into hospitality there's a new bar opening in town and i've been offered this position to be is it 701 uh, no oh okay um kind of, i don't want to call it a gm position but uh like i'm going to be running a bar put okay. it that way and which i haven't done you know what i mean and i haven't been behind the bar for almost three years now so that's going to be like a particular challenge for me right you know what I mean? Because I am doing better with my lifestyle, but I might be giving you a call, <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's that's like that opportunity. Like I think taking those big breaks, you know, having a three year break, it's like you can go into it and see it from that objective point of view from your past. Like, oh All right, yeah, this was this is where I fucked up, or this is right. This is what would lead me to fucking up. You know, so yeah. like being able to have that objective point of view from your past, right? And uh, you know, like all right. Now I'm aware of this. and So, or, Blaine, talk you know. to me about you a little bit. <laughs> Where are you from? So, originally from Arkansas, little town called Mina. Uh, Mina. I've heard yeah. of Mina. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people have. Yeah. Uh, Iran-Contra type days yep. and whatnot. <laughs> so, that was that's always our claim to fame of 5,000 people. Yep. But uh, grew up there, went to school in northwest Arkansas, went to culinary school there, did the ski bomb lifestyle for a bit. Uh, came out here for a summer in 2013 and didn't leave. So yeah, um, I was sous chef at Carver's for five years, yeah. and then that's kind of whenever I took a break and took a step back to kind of you know I was facing burnout. I was drinking a bottle of whiskey every night, you know, doing doing whatever to deal with the stress of managing 30 people, and uh, lost a relationship as well due to yep. due to the overwork and. Uh, so I took a break, went to Wisconsin for six months, did a sober stint out there, and saw a therapist for the first time. And uh, that's kind of when I started recognizing, like, all right, what do we need to do in our industry? And, and uh, how, you know, through my own experiences, what did I need to do? We should do this with each other. Right. You know? and, right. And it was coming together and, like, what can we all do to help each other? So I get it. On this podcast, we deal with topics like death this is kind of the whole point right how do you feel about the afterlife do you believe in an afterlife are you a religious guy are you and if you don't want to discuss it you don't have to but um no no no. i'm, I'm totally fine i'm say i'm not religious i'm more spiritual okay uh i was also like raised by an engineer so like logic and math was all very serious and college before culinary school the f- Whenever I dropped out of the university, I was doing a lot of philosophy of physics and some a, a lot more philosophical classes, and and I really liked the idea of just like you know our brain is made up of energy, you know we have electrical impulses and everything, right. so energy equals mass, you know times speed of light squared, you know all that. 100%. Uh, so it's like 
is our consciousness energy and does that consciousness go on how does it look you know sure. are we actually communicating with other conscious energies after that i don't know i'd like to believe that it doesn't just end here um but then there's also the rick and morty lifestyle just like sure you dead it's all black <laughs> there's nothing there you know <laughs> yeah. um so i i embrace the idea that there could not be an afterlife and that this life we live could be the only one or is the only one yeah so treasure or treasuring it and right remembering that every day and and uh you know that's that's comes into the substances like i was getting numb i was yep. not connecting i didn't have those emotions i was so numb that i wasn't happy or mad or sad you know so i was like i want to experience this life and have the energy to do so well, here's the cool thing. You're wrong. <laughs> there is a oh, heaven. Oh, yeah, I just read. Yeah, There oh, is shit. a heaven. And today we're going to determine whether or not you get to go there. Um, unfortunately, there's a hell as well. So some people, one person ever in the history of this podcast has gone to hell. But, uh, yeah, you got that shot. This is your time. Blaine Bailey, question the first. What is the first film that you remember seeing? Um, so the blob. Um, okay. So is this like the Kevin Dillon, the blob or like the old one with like, was it McQueen in the original? Maybe. Yeah. It was black and white. Like I was oh, real little. Yeah, that's the original. Yeah. Black yeah. and black and white. Uh, my grandmother had me watch it and I was like, yeah, I don't know, maybe four or five. I don't know how back you can remember things, but I remember it being scary as shit. For sure. Cause I was just a small child. Yeah. But, uh, how old <laughs> do you think you were? Probably four or five. And that yeah. was at home. Yeah, down yeah. down at my grandparents. Yeah. And it was like everybody else was out of the house. It was just me and my grandmother. And like, here's a movie. you know. <laughs> like, And it's the blob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, There's no trauma there at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I do not like Jell-O. <laughs> I, it's funny. I don't know if I've ever actually seen the original blob, the black and white one. I have definitely saw the one that came out in the 80s. Okay. With like Kevin Dillon, who is uh, Matt Dillon's little brother, okay, who didn't really do much other than the Blob, as I recall. But yeah, I, that's you know going through this, I was like, man, shit, I would love to find that the original. And I, I bet feel we like could find it. Yeah, I feel like I saw it recently on something, but I want to rewatch it just to see how yeah awesome <laughs> and well, ridiculous you and it was. I, you and I share a media server, so. Yep. I could probably find that. And I bet it's. I bet it's out there. I so. bet it is. It's got to be. Surely, surely, it's got to be. It's probably public domain at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, like, you could probably. I doubt anyone owns the rights to the original blog. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. So, on the topic of scary movies, what movie do you think scared you the most? And do you actually like scary movies? Do you like being scared? Some. So. Okay. I'll, I'll answer that question first. I was never like the, what is it? What do they call them? Like the gore? Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that are really into the gore and yeah, bloody. Yeah. I was never really into those where it's just like gross. And I've had a lot of injuries in my life. So watching those gory movies, I could feel the pain. And it was just oh, like, yeah. <sighs> you know, uncomfortable. Um, so I wasn't into those gore films or whatever. But sure. uh, uh, I do enjoy like good ghost demonic okay um that have a good really good plot and those are always really hard to find um because whenever i was like growing up i had a bunch of so more like that like 
Exorcist, The Conjuring, yeah. ghost story kind Paranormal of Paranormal activity. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's a good genre. Right. And that was one of my <laughs> favorite or hilarious times. It was, it was one of the paranormal activities. And I told my roommate, I was like in college at the time, told him, I was like, dude, I'm just going to sleep on the couch after this. We got to watch <laughs> South Park. We got to laugh. And uh, as I was like dozing off, my dog jumped out of the recliner and the recliner flipped. And I came to just seeing the recliner flip over. And I, I jumped out. Yeah, I was like, ah! It's I'm happening! <laughs> like, it's real! Yeah. <laughs> but, so, um, is that your answer? Paranormal activity? Uh, no, I would say it's back to childhood. My sister had me watch the original It's. Um, oh, like the Tim Curry miniseries? Yeah. Oh, so that scared the bejesus yeah. yeah. And I was probably, I don't know, nine, ten years old. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, not a fan of clowns now. You nope. know <laughs> who is? Yeah, but and then I I've rewatched it since, you know, and and still freaky. And the new one I thought they did pretty good with. Uh, Do you think it is the reason that we almost all have a shared fear of clowns? <laughs> like people say that like everyone fucking hates clowns. <laughs> yeah, that couldn't have been like we grew up with clowns. We yeah, liked I don't clowns. know. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be Pennywise, right? Right, yeah. It's got to be. So, because I remember I was like even at a music festival years ago and walking around, person was dressed up like Pennywise. Ugh. I was like, it's kind of fucked up, man. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it's a dick move. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Everybody was just avoiding them. Yeah. yeah, and who knows what people are experiencing in those moments. You know what I mean? You're, exactly. It's not very so, fair. No, I love that. I, I, I. What did you think about the remake? And did you watch it? Like the, uh... that's you know that's the scary movies that I really enjoyed were Stephen King's, just because of the psychological aspect behind them. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? But uh, I, I thought the new one did really well, and uh, it was freaky. But at the same time, like looking at it since then, and I mean, they definitely upped the ante on. On his scariness, right. in particular, he he looked much more demonic and and trippy, and yeah, they got away from some of the like the novel has a lot of like real childhood trauma shit too, right? And like weird like prepubescent sex and stuff that goes on in that book that you're yeah. like, they obviously you're not going to translate in the film, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder about Stephen King sometimes, <laughs> even though he's an amazing author, I love him. Um, I've been watching some. I've been going through some old Stephen King stuff. Just yeah, probably because of this podcast. Yeah, it was uh, one of those uh, Dreamcatcher. Oh my yeah, favorites. that was a great one. Yeah, like, yeah. And I think he always brings like the kids into it, and, always. and given they're their adult kids at that point, but still looking back on their past story yep. or whatever. Uh, I think that's how you make that good scary. You know, anytime there are kids involved. Oh, yeah. Any. When kids are involved, you get that natural sense of uneasy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love Stephen King. I just rewatched uh, Dr. Sleep again. Uh, uh, yeah. Which is a weird sequel to The Shining that is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I really like it. I really like it. All right. That's a great answer. Question the third, Blaine. What so-called bad movie do you absolutely love? It's not critically acclaimed, but you think it's brilliant anyways. Thanks, Killing. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about this. I actually haven't seen this, but I want to hear your take on it. So, me and a couple buddies, and they're one of them's in Arkansas, one of them's in the Midwest now. They used to live here. They would be great for this because we all had just the ridiculous movies, and we all lived together at one point, and that's where we found Thanksgiving Killing. Yeah, and that's been our Thanksgiving tradition. You know, even if we're not together, we're like, hey, all right, start it. You start it, and uh, yeah, right. You know, always sending the memes. You know, and uh, it's so ridiculous. It's one of those absolutely terrible movies where they throw yeah. a set of boobs in the first five minutes <laughs> to keep everybody watching. Keep there. You know, and it's just terrible. But you know, it's. Uh, uh, gobble gobble motherfucker yeah um, <laughs> and i feel like that was kind of a i think they did that as sort of a homage to uh grindhouse okay because that was one of the trailers the fake trailers in grindhouse was yeah. the thanksgiving movie that's right yeah so uh yeah that was and we we're laughing because i was going through this and talking with buddies it's like apparently there's a third and a fourth one now like oh really <laughs> so we got to go back and find the sequels man and direct a video <laughs> which is not a thing anymore it's direct a streaming right now you know what i mean but those movies can live on forever yeah there's like nine sharknados <laughs> fucking ridiculous man like, people just watch that shit i love it that's a great answer <laughs> question the fourth blaine what movie character do you best identify with? <laughs> so, I have to give credit to one of those buddies I was talking about. He kind of named it uh, years ago. He was my first kitchen manager, and we became best friends. Everything he brought me out here to Durango. At, uh, he he always referred to me as the animal from okay. the Muppets. That's awesome. <laughs> I always had like, especially then, had crazy hair. Yeah, I'm just really loud, obnoxious. Never caused problems necessarily like fights or anything just really loud and but just big yeah boat big uh, personality yeah, yeah. yeah so um that was always fun and then especially if if we were out drinking or whatever it just you turned a more into the animal do you have a favorite muppet movie uh was it it was just the original yeah uh, just the muppet movie yeah, yeah. the muppet movie so uh, it's fantastic yeah it is one of the sweetest funniest movies and we all kind of like probably forget about right like just how good the muppets were that's i watched it i don't know not too long ago in the last six months uh over at nano's with his kiddo oh yeah yeah and, uh, that's great or like i always just go over there and end up watching kid movies with the baby so like, i heard that fozzy bear has officially been outed as really? a homosexual <laughs> which they alluded to in that original muppet movie there's a scene at the beginning where Fozzie is hibernating with all of the real bears, and then the the like the female bear starts coming on to him, <laughs> and he's just like Kermit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's all freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I love them. I just recently watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol over the holidays, right? And I forgot how good that movie is. Yeah, that was that was another great one. So it might be the best adaptation of Dickens ever put on film. <laughs> fantastic! I love the Muppets. I like the Jason Siegel one. I like the series they tried to do. I, yep. I don't know. I love the Muppets. I think that's you're doing really well so far. <laughs> Blaine Bailey, question the fifth: What movie besides the Muppet movie makes you cry always? So this was kind of a tie. Um, as I mentioned before, I, in college I was into physics and all that a lot. Yeah. So, and then the spirituality of like love and togetherness and all that. 
these two movies, Interstellar and Arrival. Ooh. Uh, the new Arrival, not the Arrival, the but Emily Blunt. Yeah. Or uh, no, it was not Emily. Oh Blunt. no, no, it was not. Uh, um, Jeremy name? Renner. Yeah. Um, it's a Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, those moments of like the climax of the movie of her recognizing that the yep. language is being able to see the future yep. and all that and then bringing everybody together bringing all the high powers and the governments and all that together and working together right and then interstellar it was love is what travels through space and time basically the, the bookcase the bookcase yeah yeah and uh so those like moments are just like and then the physics of everything kind of tying in yeah and the idea you know with interstellar it was the physics of time getting closer to the black holes and all that like it was pretty well done on those is how i feel and then tying in that love and spiritual like how how can this even happen you know whenever you get caught in that loop like well this is the future how do you you know right it's just on a constant paradoxical yeah loop and then the idea of being able to see the future through communication and speech, like where you're just rewiring, rewiring your brain and the neuroscience to yeah. that. So, uh, really interesting takes on it, and I think totally plausible. Like that's that spirituality side that I can see, right? Um, with those and really cool, yeah. So, and you get a a visceral response to that, right? Yeah, and, no, and I get that. That's I saw Interstellar with with my ex. And she like looked over. She's like, "Are you crying?" I'm yeah. Like, mm-hmm. She's like, "Is it because of <laughs> the love or because of the physics?" Fucking both, man. Yeah. Like, it's, the it's, physics it's is great. Whole, the physics, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and each time I've watched those, like, still yeah. shedding a tear. I mean, as a proctor doing what I'm doing, I think I like the rival probably better as a film. Just because I really love Denny Villeneuve's yep. style or whatever, but both of those movies made me cry. Yeah, I mean the the climax, the 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 bookcase thing, and everything with with Matthew McConaughey. Right. Like that I mean, if you don't get affected by that, like I'm not sure what you're fucking doing. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, see if you've experienced the older you've gotten, like past thirty, sure. Do you um, find yourself much more emotional towards oh, movies? Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I've always been open to crying and open to, like, experiencing film. I mean, film's, like, yeah. a big part of my life, obviously. But, like, yeah, as I get older, man. But I, I, th- I think that's your banking experience right. as you go along. So you're going to relate to more and more. And there's that yep. moment that hits you. is like, I've been there. I know exactly what yeah. this is. That's that's a really good point. That kind of answers. I was like, why the hell? You know, I'll just be watching even ridiculous movies. I'm like, oh, it's so goddamn beautiful. That's actually a question I should ask on another podcast is like, what is the dumbest movie that makes you cry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but that makes sense because you have more experiences and you're able to connect a lot more with different just, characters. Opening up your relatability to yep. all these different things that come out. That makes perfect sense. So every time you watch it, you're just like, oh, I fucking, yeah, yeah. done that. Yeah. I done that. I get it. Dude, Sorry. I cried when John Wick's dog got died. Oh, dude. You know what I mean? Like, Those are like the movies. Oh, yeah, John Wick. It's like, yeah, I'm getting pumped. I'm fucking angry. Yeah. Kill my fucking dog. 
Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm crying anger. But, it's uh, funny because like younger people that watch that movie, they're just like, I don't know, man. Like, he's going on a revenge thing because of his dog, and I'm like, Have you ever lost a dog? Because <laughs> I will kill everybody. I will kill everybody that you know. Because and there's, of my dog. And there's also like that one I could handle, but I won't watch I Am Legend again because Ooh. that's like. Yep, I just can't handle it anymore. Uh, like I've seen it like twice, maybe three times. Yep, and those times was like, Phew. and and I've gotten to a point like, no, nah, I'm not going to put myself through that emotional trauma. <laughs> yeah, and that was like a really brilliant manipulation of emotion in that yeah. movie. You know and, what I mean? They're like, oh, you're all alone except for this dog. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those, uh, I can't remember what movie I watched recently, but anytime I start a movie. And there's like the main character has a dog. I'm like, oh, I swear to God, if that dog fucking dies in this movie, go. I'm turning it off. Turn it off. <laughs> like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're doing to me. Yep. yep. That so. sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great answer. Blaine Bailey. Question the sixth Who is your favorite actor or actress? This is one of my favorite questions. What is their worst movie? So, a little cliche. Okay. I, I think, but Will Ferrell. Okay, why is that cliche? Uh, I, I think he's a lot of people's probably favorite, you know? Sure. I could say. I, a, a part of me wanted, like, someone that not very many people know of sure. or no. agree with. they're doing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he was one of the ones that really made me laugh. Like, Anchorman, I felt like was a huge transition of comedic movies, of wow. randomness, you know? Um, Brilliant. Super amazing. It's hilarious. And then I we grew up watching SNL, so all of his SNL yep. clips, fucking phenomenal. I remember Will Ferrell's first sketch it was, on SNL. Was it the shed? Get off the. Well, that was. His, off, that's yeah. exactly what it yeah. is. It's the get off the shed. That <laughs> is his first sketch. Because that was in his auditions, I think, too. I think it was. But he basically, yeah, he's just the very calm. He's talking to his buddies, barbecue or whatever. And then it's just like, I told you to get off the shed. <laughs> get off the goddamn shed. Yeah, it's really fucking funny. But what is, uh, trying to pin down Will Ferrell's worst movie. That's a big thing. Um, Everything Must Go. You think that's his worst? Yeah, because, and I was, I was rethinking it again. And... I think it was because it was trying to be that dark, depressive humor. Yeah. But it wasn't quite there. Like, it didn't hit hit yep. as dark and depressive as it could have been. As it could have been. And I think that's what needed. And it's and, not as smart as it should have been. Right. To make like, that kind of movie. It, was, it just was kind of empty. That's the best way. Right? I don't disagree with that take. I don't think I... I mean, I can name worse movies right. that Will Ferrell's done. But I get it. Like, they're... They flew... Th- too close to the sun on that artistically and didn't accomplish what they were trying to set out to accomplish. Right. I think you're 100% right on that. 100%. And that's, I felt like it was supposed to be, you know, I really love Stranger Than Fiction because it was great kind movie. of that dark humor as well, had a bright ending or whatever. That's a great movie. And I thought they were trying to kind of mimic that yeah. and it just, not even close. Well done. Yeah, that's a nice pull. I so, like that. And I like your explanation. Yeah, because there's, there's also, I was like, I mean, he there's did a pretty Sher- bad one. He did that Sherlock Holmes movie. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Was fucking I didn't even see unwatchable. It. That was like some of those I haven't even seen. Like the, I know this is fucking bad. Soccer coach one that's terrible. I mean, he's <laughs> done some really bad movies. Right. He's a really 
cool guy. Yeah. From what I, I mean, from what I've seen, I, I guess. Yeah, it would be like the worst film in the sense of the biggest letdown. That's a yeah. That's exactly what I think you're you're pointing out. It drove me enough to watch it, and then just and then what the fuck wasn't yeah. what you wanted it to be. Exactly. Yeah, so I'll buy that. I think it's a fucking great answer. <sighs> We're gonna get into some weird stuff after I do a quick read. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a break. This was a great conversation with the girlfriend in the van. Oh, I bet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna point out to our listeners that you can reach out to the Whiskey Reel. We are at 970-426-5344. Text messages, voicemails, all that good stuff. I would love some feedback on the Judgment Day podcast, which is going really well, you guys. We're also at whiskeyreel at gmail.com. We're sitting here with Blaine Bailey from In the Weeds. Blaine, what is your website? How do people reach out to you? Yeah, so our website is intheweedsco.org. And then our Facebook, social media, right. um, and Instagram's at intheweeds underscore co. Facebook's at intheweedsco. Because they don't allow underscores on Facebook. Oh, I didn't know Strangely. that. Yeah. yeah, after we had already made the Instagram, I'm like shit. Um, so yeah, that's the best way to reach out to us. We're downtown Durango at the Hive. Yeah. Um, great community space there. Absolutely. So we're usually around. If we're not, we're running to the restaurants, chat, chatting with everybody, checking in, whatnot. So, right. um, yeah, give us a shout. Um, do you guys have a link where people can donate? Yep. So that your best bet's going to our website, Just go but directly to the website. Yeah, there's yeah. I know the the link to it in it. We operate through GiveButter. Oh, okay, yeah. And, no, I've and, heard uh, of so GiveButter.com/slash/itw/donations. Okay, we'll take Great. you straight to our general donation page. Absolutely, so. you guys should reach out, take a look at this organization. They're doing they're doing yeoman's work <laughs> for frontline workers that don't get a lot of attention. Yeah, and that's you know on our website we have a page for just about everything sometimes too much i think but uh have a bit of everything what we're doing and and who we work with so that's awesome Um, and it's heartwarming and now we're gonna ruin that (laughs) blaine question the seventh what film do you find to be the sexiest (laughs) you heard of hot dog hot dog the movie the ski movie (laughs) dude i grew up with that movie literal ski porn tweed was in that was that Yes. There was always a big buxom blonde, and it was mostly yeah. Shannon Tweed. And I think she was in that, but yeah. go on. Uh, so I, I was recently introduced. I'm surprised that I made it this long no not knowing way. about it. And uh, <laughs> and it's actually my co-founder. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. But uh, you, you can find out who my co-founder is. Not too hard, but... Uh, he's like, hey man, you want to watch some ski porn? I was like, yeah. hell yeah. We we're oh, like going to dude. ride the next day. I was like, hell yeah, let's watch some ski porn. Yeah. And then it's like actual ski porn. Uh, <laughs> there are boobs every 45 seconds in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like hanging out, watching it. My roommate came home to just two dudes watching ski porn, literal yeah. softcore porn. <laughs> it's like, all right, so this is happening. I like, guarantee I haven't seen that movie in 30 years. How was the skiing? It's great. Yeah, from they pull they pull that off. <laughs> it was super cheesy. I, that's what I love about <laughs> yeah. it. It was like absolutely terrible. But then, <sighs> dude, that is such a fucking great answer. And there's what's also really funny about it. And I watched this show before Hot Dog. There's a documentary called uh, The Game of Nar, 
which is out of Squaw Valley, and it was Shane McConkey. And so it's this game that he created. Uh, like it first started off, like how many points can you get? Like the the more challenging the ski lines on the hill, the more points you got. But then they threw in all this bullshit to it, uh, different ways to get points and ridiculous things. Yeah. The actress she lived in Squaw Valley, and so one of the ways you get ten thousand points or however many points it was was to take her out on the date. And so oh, it's like all these dirtbag ski bums like try to get her out on a date. And the That's documentary hilarious. is hilarious. I think it's on YouTube. Just look up the game really of Yeah. So that is that is one of the best answers I've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> you could literally shit the bed on the next five questions. <laughs> And you're probably going to go to heaven. That, that's just the way that's going to work. <laughs> I hate to do it, but I don't write these. Question the eighth, Blaine. What movie do you find uncomfortably sexy? It turns you on, but you're not sure it should have. So this one, they kind of lay it out almost like this. But The Counselor. Oh. With Cameron Diaz. Yep. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Is it... Fastbender in that one? Yeah, Fastbender's in yeah. it, but it was his business partner. Yeah. Uh, he's been in a lot of movies. I'd, so I'd this is written by... This was a screenplay by Cormac McCarthy. Okay. As I understand. Yeah. And... Uh, um, it's an interesting fucking movie, man. <laughs> and it was the scene with Cameron Diaz where she takes off her panties on the Lamborghini or Dude. some sports car. Oh, no. and, and he named, he's like, I'm fucking terrified of this woman. You know, yeah. and she was just going up like a sucker fish with her <laughs> legs spread. <laughs> and it was like, it's like incredibly sexy, but I'm just terrified of this woman. Yeah. yeah. And then the other, that actor should know. I've looked up, looked him up so many times. I find his voice very sexy oh, as okay. well. It's that like Brazilian Portuguese kind of accent to that, and the inflections and the language. So that that's the part that made you feel a little. It was like him describing the Cameron Diaz being trying to be sexy, also intimidating. But then his voice is just one of those like I don't like to say anything about my personal way <laughs> I sound or look to trade that for anything. But sometimes sure. voice is like I would I would take that man's voice <laughs> um so i'm looking it up as we speak because i'm actually it's escaping me as well because man this cast michael fassbender who is just ridiculous and penelope cruz cameron diaz oh it's bardem yep. javier bardem why couldn't i think yep. of that um yeah he's got a way about him no doubt about it. <laughs> he has one of the most uncomfortable, sexy, weird things for me in um, Skyfall. Okay. Which is the James Bond film. Right. I don't know if you've seen that one. It, it's arguably one of the top five James Bond films of all time. Yeah. But like he has James Bond tied to a chair and he's doing that Javier Bardem thing and he's like weirdly like rubbing James Bond's <laughs> legs like up his thighs <laughs> as he's like talking to him and I'm like this should not make me feel this way <laughs> but it's like oddly hot yeah so maybe it's just a Bardem thing God, I think so maybe another great answer and that, yeah that was one of those it was like there's always the uncomfortable sex scenes like that you forget are in there and you're with your parents or friends oh or God, whatever dude. like hot dogs so uncomfortably 
sexy, but it's meant to be. You That's know? exactly. And uh, then there's the the movies you find yourself watching. And you're like, okay, yeah. this is weird. Like yeah. everybody's just quiet, and you're like trying to keep your pants down a little bit. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like grandma's asking what we're watching. Yeah, it's Basic Instinct. <laughs> 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 and this is my basic instinct. <laughs> oh, Blaine, you're a funny guy. I know this. Question the ninth. What film makes you laugh the most? Doesn't have to be like the greatest comedy of all time. This one was really hard. And I just kind of went with what la- made me laugh the most recently. Oh, okay. Um, and a classic, but Billy Madison. Uh I love that because it was, you know, it was always funny. And I was talking about like Anchorman, Anchorman, how it was like the random comedic jokes, one-liners in yep. that, how it was a shift. But like rewatching Billy Madison, there's so much randomness in that, you know, with yeah. the penguin. Uh, I tumble for you whenever he's on the stairwell. Oh, yeah. It's just like, what's the point of this? It has right. no point. And uh, I always think of, uh, he called the shit poop. <laughs> he called the you shit know? poop. <laughs> that, that's. <laughs> The dumbest slash funniest thing. (laughs) So it was one of those, like, this is fucking hilarious. And I caught, you know, whenever I first saw it as a kid and uh, re-watching it, and I've re-watched it multiple times since, you know, 18 or whatever. I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. And uh, I was just, like, catching more of those random nonsensical jokes that play no mind to the plot. The bathtub scene was always very, very funny for people, (laughs) obviously. Um, the game show <laughs> scene. I was um, your answer. <laughs> I can't remember the dialogue, but the, it's become a meme, right? You know what I mean. And Everyone was... in this room is now dumber for having heard. It. <laughs> yeah, that thing. Yeah, uh, really funny. My other favorite recent quote, and I just found myself laughing, and no one got it that I was around. I was up at the Broadmoor for a big association colorado restaurant association orientation and so real fancy place like i don't belong there trying to act like i'm rich but i'm not and they have swans at the uh in the big pond there <laughs> yeah. i was walking by stop looking at me swan stop looking at me swan <laughs> i just started laughing was, what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> that's a funny fucking line yeah. man i mean i guess sandler started with that in happy gilmore essentially yeah and I think those are both really fucking funny movies. Like, yeah. They both make me laugh. And I'm not even a huge Adam Sandler fan, like, as an actor. Right. But I think I really would like that guy just as a person. Yeah. He seems like a really fucking funny, great guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I have no... Pr- I'm not the guy that's going to bag on a Adam right. Sandler. I don't love his movies necessarily. Oh, he's got some terrible... Those were some of... Like, some of his were also, like, with Will Ferrell, like, he's up there for me. And also has some really terrible movies. Like oh, Click and rough stuff, man. Yeah. There was the one where he plays his own, like, twin sister or some shit. And it... <laughs> oh, my God. Unwatchably bad. <coughs> like, preposterously bad. Right. It's yeah. a great answer. Again. <laughs> Question the 10th. What film can you or have you watched repeatedly? So this one kind of circumstantial because I was limited on what movies I had with me. And this was when I was in Wisconsin and no internet, no cell service. So I'd have to download, you know, accordingly. <laughs> uh, or just work with what I had. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Saw oh that. God, dude. 
so many times. I can watch that movie over and over again. Yeah. Such it's, a good. I I wasn't ever like grew up with comics or anything, and until the Marvel movies came out, that's yeah. whenever I started getting into them. Buddies could explain like I found out all the history, but right. I'm a sucker for all the action and ridiculousness and sure. special effects, and graphics, and all that. So yeah. that was, and that was one of the movies I had while I was up there. Do you think it's the comedy or, or the action part of it? Both that movie the tie, skirts how, the line. Yeah, I loved how they because the first two Thors is two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was number three. It was the third one. Um, they really shifted it, and then Love and Thunder. They kind of, I don't know. They I went felt, too far, right? Yeah. D- yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. I thought they did too. So it was like, mm, well, uh, as a total comic book nerd from my childhood, I can tell you that the tone of Thor Ragnarok really works. Okay, it fits into. There was a, a writer and artist that did a whole run of Thor comics uh, by the name of Walt Simonson, okay. and all the Walt Simonson stuff skirted that line between like funny and action-packed and ridiculous and big i mean he even his he even kind of wrote that storyline in a way like with surter the big demon coming and all that that's all walt simonson okay and then he would have like an issue that would come out where loki just turns thor into a frog (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and it was super fucking funny and adorable and all that you know what i mean so i think taika watiti who did that movie just he found a perfect balance right and i could watch that movie over and over and, and over. i think that's his his character that he played you know korg right oh korg like he turned into one of my favorite characters like i'm so glad they didn't get rid of him like his I know. humor and he was like for love and thunder he's the only reason why i liked it you know oh yeah no like, he's the best part of love and thunder. <laughs> yeah. so i did hear an explanation of love and thunder that actually made sense to me because when i first watched it i was like you i was like i don't i don't fucking love this movie like it's too over the top dumb it's too slapsticky right blah 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 but um i was told that like well but this is korg's imagination of what actually happened he's telling a story to these kids and he's dramatizing this whole thor episode (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so it's coming through through Korg's fucking point of view, yeah, you know, and yeah, it's it's his point of view, and it's Taika writing and directing the movie, so that all kind of adds up. That maybe that's what we're actually seeing is just like a a cartoon version of what actually would have happened in a Thor movie, right? You know, yeah, that I mean? makes I really like that. I yeah, I'm gonna stick with that because it it makes me hate it less. Yeah, you know what <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of want to watch it again now with that just explanation with that perspective. Yeah. yeah, me too. Like, all right. That makes a lot more sense. But Ragnarok is I, I I'm so with you, man. I could watch that movie every time that I was, have a chance to watch it. When I was up there in Wisconsin, my buddy he's like, So so how many times is it now that you watch Ragnarok? I'm like, oh, I'm up to like ten. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up, man. <laughs> it's a great movie. And the Hulk is fucking amazing in it. It's yep. I think it's the best Hulk character they've put on screen to date. Yeah. His like Pre Smart Hulk yeah. thing that they do in the Infinity Wars, you know what I yep. mean? But he's also kind of like, he's kind of sulking and sad Hulk. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got like some emotionality coming. <laughs> it's a really cool balance. Everything they did, I thought was really, really funny. Question the 11th, Blaine. What film means the most to you? Not because of its 
quality. Now, it doesn't have to be a good movie, but it's just because of something that you've associated to it. So, I don't remember a lot of it, and this was the association, uh, and with those two best friends, uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Okay. <laughs> I have actually seen that movie. <laughs> so, this was back in my past, you know, whatever drugs came around, we did. And, uh, one night, I was hanging out with some friends, ate a bunch of mushrooms. You know, they just popped up. All right, I'm eating mushrooms. Walked home. Get home. My two roommates, two best friends, were also on mushrooms. And we decided to watch Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. I bet it was amazing. So amazing to where we were betting on the next kill. And for me, I had no idea what was going on. Awesome. And I just kept betting on the Navy. And the Navy lost every time. Every like, time. <laughs> I think they got like 20 bucks out of me. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, man. So it was just like one of those hilarious, just, you know, giggle fits for th- two hours or whatever. And uh, such yeah. a perfect answer. <laughs> That's exactly the answer I'm looking for. <laughs> Most people are like fried green tomatoes because my mom, and I'm like, oh, that's that's the worst answer. <laughs> Nobody likes your mom. <laughs> oh, so far so good, my friend. And we are basically closing in on the end. Question the twelfth, sir. Should you deemed be deemed worthy to ascend? You are allowed to bring a movie because every night in heaven is movie night, and you get to host. What film are you going to take to show the rest of the chosen people? So this, again, was another challenging... Well, should be the most challenging question sure. of all. Uh, I'll preface... I, I went with Land of the Lost with okay. Will Ferrell. The Will Ferrell one, yeah. Because that's another one that was also up there with Thor. How many times can you watch it right. repeatedly? And that was... I We had it up in Alaska... And we all watched that so many times and yeah. figured out all the little one-liners in there. Thought it was great. Thought it was amazing. Yeah. There was a lot in it. It was pretty ridiculous, but... It's super ridiculous. Fucking amazing. Uh, that's the one I ended up going with, because I think that would bring, in a, in a logical sense, of being in heaven. And It would be our first uh, Will Ferrell movie in heaven so far. Right. Yeah. But the other one that I was challenged with, and... Head Chef Amoro would agree with me. He actually introduced it to me. And for restaurant folks and the general public to understand, it's really fucking dark, but also hilarious, especially if you worked as a chef or in the kitchen, in a restaurant even, and it's Bitter Feast. Oh, my god! Have you seen that? Yes. So. Whoa. I thought that was fucking hilarious because it's so dark. super fucking dark. (laughs) That's also, a, we were laughing ooh. tremendously, and I, I'm i not going to lie, man. I almost kind of want you to take that one to heaven. Yeah. That, that's, it's really hard. Like, yeah. You know, I think I think Land of the Lost... So I told you I'd lost my answers before this, so I had no, to go fine. back through. <laughs> and Land of the Lost is what I picked first. And then I was looking, and I was like, you know, I think Bitter Feast is the one. Yeah, and that you was know. 2000... Yeah, 2010. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say it was 9 or 10. So, uh, that is a crazy fucking movie, <laughs> first of all. But I thought it was like super accurate of just like the torture scenes were pretty much the main scenes 
where he's uh, he goes in with a branding iron, dinner rush, dinner rush, dinner rush, dinner rush. <laughs> it's like that is how it feels. That's exactly yeah. how it feels. Yeah, that's right. James Legros is the is the chef, and uh, yeah, the the food critic. And I can't remember that guy's name, but it has all these like classic indie movie like Larry Fassenden and all these guys that would just show up and like the guy that you oh I know that guy from something right you know what I mean but you don't ever know who he is I feel like it would have been such a bigger hit now with all the foodies like I think then there weren't as many foodies then so it didn't make the cut but I thought it was you know the darkness of like melancholia uh, oh yeah um, antichrist yeah those ones it had that really dark feel to it oh yeah but where they lost it for 2010 was the food aspect the chef aspect so like it didn't connect with the general public so good but now due to bourdain you know like where oh yeah the industry has made it and uh the hollywood aspect was chef well there's an elevated consciousness about kitchen culture that we have now yeah like that you know before bourdain you know and you know, Bourdain was this like transformative figure because he wasn't like the greatest chef in the world, but what he was was a conduit for people to understand the culture exactly. of being in a kitchen. And that's what made him like his loss was so profound for people yeah. because it's like, oh, that's why I actually get what kitchen culture is. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, I mean, that's ultimately that summer. I came up within the weeds was the summer that he passed. No kidding. Or he's passed in the spring. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that and it spawned a lot of the transitions in our industry for the culture shift. Yeah. And like recognition. So many chefs after his death, so many chefs came out t- talking about their mental health. Just and, like wow, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was intense. And yeah. and that's there's a lot of people like whenever you read back through Kitchen Confidential, especially through the eyes as a woman. Uh, very sexist and misogynistic, you know, and all that. And I was like, hey, you know, we're not, you know, given he was an idol to me, this is also like a recognition. Like, it doesn't matter where you get yeah, in life. 100%. They can still take you down. Oh, 100%, and, uh, man. And he got himself involved with a toxic relationship. And yeah, it just took him down. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, but he was always just such a damaged guy, right? You know, and uh, I, I think I don't know. It, I I love that he's part of our culture now, mm-hmm. as for good or ill. You know what I mean? Because there's those parts of him that were obviously so damaged, and, right? You know what I mean? But it's he's a cautionary tale. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's you know that's I think the, you should bring bitter feast. I, I, I think do. so too. The more we talk about it, I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, fucking bitter feast. I think you should bring bitter feast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter, man, because you 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 have been just fucking amazing on this podcast. <laughs> it's so good to have you here, and you have definitely been found worthy. You are going to ascend to heaven, my friend. Doesn't matter. Now I know. I'm, I'm going to ask you back, anyways. There's, <laughs> there's a second part to this. I have 12 other questions, so I will be inviting you back. Awesome. So good to hang out with you, man. You know, you're one of my favorite people in Durango. Cheers, my friend. Hey, cheers. Uh, before we start to move along, one more time in the weeds, in the weeds, co.gov. Org. Oh, sorry. Org. Yep, dog org. In the weeds, co.org. 
you guys, please go check this out. Blaine is such a great guy. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we move on? Yeah, freaking uh, follow us. We got a golf tournament fundraiser coming up in June. That's going to be a big one. Um, kind of working with the CRA on that since they're not doing Taste of Durango anymore, which is public knowledge. Uh, and yeah if you're in the industry please reach out to us no matter where you are there's it's it's kind of cool it was almost this collective unconscious connection there were several organizations like us uh that started up almost at the same time like all of us within six months of each other kind of started um and there's probably like 20 of them out there uh, across the world, we're part of a coalition. We, they, one of the organizations created a coalition of organizations like us, and from U.S., Canada, Australia, Portugal. Wow! Like it's really cool talking Good. with all these folks because yeah, it's amazing. It's not only happening to us here; it's our industry worldwide struggles yeah. with this. So, um, yeah, please don't be afraid to reach out. Also, you know, if you're struggling, going through stuff. Please ask someone for help. It's not a weakness to ask for help. It's actually more brave, courageous to do so. Uh, they just released in the U.S. Uh, we have 988 now, so the suicide crisis line, um, or it's it's a basic crisis line. So anything and everything, even if it's not suicidal ideation, if you're just having trouble, your chef knife broke and you're freaking out over it, call them. So. Yeah. Uh, that's nationwide, and it kind of directs you to your area based on your phone number. So, uh, um, buddy, you're doing such good work, and I, I really hope that I mean, you know, the Whiskey Reel was founded by hospitality guys, and we don't always celebrate that part of our our past, right? You know what I mean? But we're all very, very aware, and we're you know, we like to, we love to see people reaching out and taking care of frontline people because. It, they're kind of the invisible part of the economy and our culture that you just don't really pay attention to right. in and out of your life within 45 minutes you know what I mean and you tip them or you don't right? Or, you know what I mean and it's like you don't understand like the struggle that everyone is going through right. to you know especially now I mean post COVID I mean it's so hard that's you know that's what people ask like how can I support in different ways other than just tipping sure and my biggest thing is like just have a genuine conversation yeah a genuine thank you even going up to the kitchen if you can see the window like if it's at morrow or carver's like where you can see the kitchen window tell the kitchen crew thank you yeah like that was always such a big morale booster for us on the line like working those friday nights you're getting just crushed and all you're hearing most of the night is this is overcooked this is running late blah 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 like you're Mm -hmm. just getting piled on with negativity and every so often we'd have a guest come up to the window and like sometimes throw us five bucks but even if they didn't and they're just like hey food was amazing tonight guys thank you all so much that was awesome and it just almost make everybody cry you know but we would just like hell yeah thank you and cook even better after that and it it gave us reason you know i like them so blaine it was awesome having you here buddy great to be here it was super super fun we're gonna do it more (laughs) you're you're gonna be a part of the whiskey reel going forward (laughs) i promise sweet also have a great death